0: Hi, this is Society Owes Me, a Gen X podcast. Uh, Back to you with uh, uh, season two. So welcome to the winter of our discontent. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Lily. How are you going?
1: Uh, I'm I'm content as (laughs) can be expected under the current circumstances. (laughs) How are you? Good to be back officially, right? Yeah, really excited for season two.
0: Yeah, we still can't see each other, unfortunately. We're still lockdownville, but uh, we hope that will be addressed fairly soon. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's we're, we're ever hopeful, even um, even so. Um, so you're going to kick us off. We're back to we're back to the start. We're back at A, and you're kicking it off today with.
1: Right. So A is for, um, well, you know. That I've been wanting to talk about, Automatic for the People by REM for some time. Um, yes. <laughs> so I am going to talk about Automatic for the People or some of the singles off it. Um, but I want to take you the scenic route. Um, so I did want to begin with a little number called All Your Jeans Were Too Tight by American Music Club. Um, got really excited about it and then discovered that it's not on Spotify. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so instead, um, i would like to play you a song called sick of food which is also by american music club uh, and it was on their 1991 everclear album oh okay all right let's hit play on that i'm going to talk over it a little bit i don't know these people Okay well let me tell you a little bit about them. So um The All Your Jeans are Too Tight which is not this song <laughs> um is a so- it's the first song that I knew by the band and I discovered it through an album called No Alternative. So Automatic for the People and this No Alternative album were a big part of uh, sort of me getting into music um so no alternative came out in 1993 it was on arista records and it was a um a benefit album for aids relief um and it was produced by paul heck and chris mundy for the red hot organization so have you heard of this album at all no alternative no but i mean are they an actual band then no 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 they're not so it's a compilation album so it was made up of original tracks and cover versions from many bands that you will be very very familiar with who went on to um you know define the alt-rock scene of the 1990s and I had it on cassette I can't remember where I bought it but I had it on cassette um I loved it I played it to death almost wore it out um and, and i remember the cover well i remember the cover because i've got it on cd now but it was a, it was a blue cover with a little boy on it and a big sort of target in the middle of it um and when i when did you source this I, I honestly i can't i can't remember no idea probably i don't know our price or capital records on marla high street i've no idea um or i possibly dug it out because of um A hidden track on the song that I will come to in a bit um so it might be that I'd been reading up on it and um and discovered that you know there was this hidden track and I needed to get my hands on it I don't know um but when I when I moved when I when I left home and went to university my mum got rid of all of my um uh, my cassettes um and yeah so oh. that went along with it so I rebought <laughs> it on CD very very recently like only last year um, so uh, yeah and played it in the car a lot so it, um, back. Back it really me really takes me back yeah so uh, it, it's it's an awesome album honestly like you have to I'll, I'll lend it to you after this um, but I'll give you a little flavour of some of the bands on it so it's got uh, Buffalo Tom Soul Asylum Soul Asylum doing a cover of Sexual Healing Uh, Mm. It's got uh, Urge Overkill, Goo Goo Dolls, Smashing Pumpkins. So Smashing Pumpkins do, have you heard the track Glynis? No. So there's, um, if if there's time, maybe we could play it at the end. But Glynis um, was a woman from a Chicago band uh, called Red Red Meat who died of AIDS. So obviously it's, you know, it was an AIDS benefit album. So, uh, you know, a lot of them do have a link. Um, It's got Bob Mould on it, Sarah McLachlan, Soundgarden, um, Mm. don't show me. Uh, Beastie Boys and Rick Rubin with a, a live a live version of the, It's the New Style. It's got the I breeders. feel like
0: we should be doing a podcast just about this album. Well, I
1: think we could, we could actually. So yeah, but it's a little introduction. It's got The Breeders uh, doing Iris live uh, and it's got Patty Smith on it. Um, it's got a bunch of other stuff as well, but those are kind of like, you know, the, the, the big hitters. Um, so anyway, um, All Your jeans Were Too Tight uh there's your first day by american music club second day uh aids (laughs) sorry if you like uh third day uh on the no alternative a for alternative um compilation album so another yeah so as i said this track is sick of food in fact i might let it just play for a little bit because i think it's getting to the amazing bit I'm trying, to, I'm trying to crank it up and get into the end bit. Yeah, damn it, I spoke all over it. But go, go back and check it out. But anyway, so I thought in, because we can't play the one that I wanted to play, "Sick of Food" is relevant here. So it came. Ever Everclear was um, like, I'm not a massive um, American music club fan. Like you know, I wasn't a fan from you know, I you know, don't claim to you know, ha, own all their albums or anything. But Everclear, Everclear was one of their particularly successful, critically acclaimed ones. Uh and Sick of Food on it um is a big crowd pleaser and it's told from the perspective of someone dying of AIDS. Um so like the lyrics are really um are really kind of gut-wrenching. Um and there's another song on that album called Rise, which is told um from the perspective of someone caring for someone dying of AIDS. Um so you know, there's a link there. Um, so the lead singer of um, American Music Club is Mark um, Eitzel. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, and he started making music when he was a teenager living in Southampton. He's American, but he was from a mil- military family. And so he kind of he, he was brought up in Okinawa and Taiwan and Ohio and in the UK and didn't move to America until 1979. Uh, and then he was based in San Francisco, and that's where American Music Club uh, are from. But they split up in 1994. They got back together in 2003. Uh, but once, when they split in 1994, Itsall went on to focus on his solo career, and he's got a you know a bunch of solo albums. But he also produced an album or created an album called West, uh, along with Peter Buck of REM. So West came out in 1997 um and the next song on my playlist is a song from that called in your life if you want to hit play on that okay and this was initially a demo soundtrack Soundtrack. oh oh, sorry (laughs) have you found it yeah i've found it no i'm playing this was originally a, a demo for rem and you can check out a live performance of Mark and Peter Buck on the Spud Goodman show in 1997 on YouTube. It's the only live footage that I could find of them together but it's uh, it's good and it sounds his his voice kind of reminds me of Evan Dando. I don't know if you can hear yeah. that in it at all Yeah, yeah no, it... Sorry my mic
0: keeps coming in and out I don't know what's wrong with it <laughs> the uh, the equipment's dying on us <laughs> already
1: mm. can you hear Not me okay in. I can hear you all right
0: yeah no you're fine it's the mixer it's um, being temperamental
1: okay sorry carry on right so yeah it, it you know it's it, this one's kind of like a bit sort of jangly I like it um but I just wanted to give you a sort of you know something to to listen Slider. to as I link that up <laughs> And then another link that you will like here. So on this same album, West, um, I haven't put it on the playlist, but there's a song called Fresh Screwdriver," Over. And the guitar on that is played by none other than Mike McCready. Hey. hey. Yo, Mikey. And um, there's also Bar- Barrett Martin, who's the drummer for Skin Yard and Screaming Cheese. Oh, yes. And, and Mad Season. And Tuatara, which is a, another like super, gr- super group that's uh, – that Peter Buck is in. Um, He also plays various instruments on the album. Um, He's playing drums and bass and marimba and the tambourine and stuff. Um, So there you go. I love all of that stuff. Yeah, it's cool. I love all these little links. Um, Right,
0: okay. We've not even got to, R.E.M. You've got another one. Another little linky.
1: I have got another little linky. Well, this is still... Related to the No Alternative album. Okay. So there is another song, which is on Spotify, uh, on the No Alternative album by Pavement. So this song was originally on their Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain um, album. Uh And it is called The Unseen Power of the Picket Fence.
0: All right. I do like a bit of Pavement.
1: Okay. So I'm not going to talk over this one for a while. Because I really want you to listen to the lyrics, <laughs> <laughs> and the link will be very clear.
0: Is that a nice way of saying shut up?
1: <laughs> I'm shutting myself up. You know what I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Turn up a little
0: bit.
1: Here we go.
0: <laughs>
1: Classic songs with a long history. And like you and me are. Got the key. <laughs> yep, I think I got it. <laughs> I'm going to turn it down so you can be heard. I'm just going to have a little swig of my wine.
0: Mm-mm.
1: So um, you're in it now.
0: You've referenced REM. You have arrived, my lady. So there you go.
1: Can you imagine? So right, okay. I'm going to take you back to to. I've got some very very tight links okay in this podcast but I've really struggled with how to put them all together in a coherent way so I am going to be jumping around a little bit so I'm going to okay. take back the no alternative um so the hidden track that I mentioned which is possibly how I discovered this album I can't remember but the hidden track in this is called uh, is is verse chorus verse although okay let me explain verse chorus verse is how it was originally titled um, and it's by Nirvana so it was a hidden track and it was unlisted apparently for legal reasons but it was uh, sort of very, it, it, it very significantly contributed to how popular an alternative album was um, so it was released as Verse Chorus Verse but apparently R.E.M. had another song that they sorry Nirvana had another song that they abandoned that was also called Verse Chorus Verse so they ended up calling this one Sappy, or yeah, that's how this chances. one now. Yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> just a bit, <laughs> a bit lazy, really, I think. But hey. So, no, um. Playing, right now. I'm playing Sappy. So, well, if you listen to so I'll, I'll play it to you at the end. Um, oh, okay. it's, it's, it's actually talking about being happy. But anyway. Okay. Um, so that is on No Alternative. Where am I going with this? Um, Automatically the people? <laughs> Automatically the people. Automatically the people, don't worry. Um, okay, so another link with REM. So I think I mentioned Matthew Sweet is also one of the contributing artists to the No Alternative album. He's he was in a band called O.K. with Michael Stipe, Michael Stipe of REM, with Michael Stipe's sister Linda Stipe. So there you go. And then Patty Smith, who finishes the No Alternative album with a live version of Memorial Song is um, famously very, very close friends um, with Michael Stipe. So there you go. A couple of uh, other linkies. Um, oh, another one, actually. So when No Alternative was released, there was also a home video that I wish I had, but I don't. But there was a home video as well that included um, uh, various things. And there is a Nana Cherry video of her song Athens, Georgia, 1993 which was directed by Jim Mackay, who has directed various things, including The Wire um, and Michael mm. Stipe. So they co-directed that Nona Cherry video, which I thought was quite cool. Um, and the Patty Smith Memorial Tribute, there's a live performance of that and of Swade's The Next Life, which were both directed by Derek Jarman. Uh, So I've got a little linky there because Nicky Wire of the Manic Street Preachers, who we talked a little bit about in our Valentine's special last week. Mm -hmm. um, He had a song called Derek Jarman's Garden, which was a B-side to his single Break My Heart Slowly on his solo album in 2006. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also on that home video, there was a film um, that included Hole and Luscious Jackson, Free Kitten, Huggy Bear and Bikini Kill called No Alternative Girls, which was directed by Tamara Davis who uh we have talked about in our be for bangers episode way way back in the beginning um uh in that episode so there you go I just so like I I, things up
0: I just remember hearing and this was probably I read this probably in sky magazine in the 90s do you remember sky magazine did you ever read that
1: I didn't, but I remember you talking to me about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll have to
0: find a cover to put on Instagram or something. But it was really funny. It was one of the few magazines that would make that wasn't a girl. You know, it wasn't like a chick mag. It it was like for anybody, and it had you know music in it as well, which female magazines didn't tend to have unless it was a gorgeous hunk in without a t-shirt which was like whatever i think um, i always
1: thought it was about sky tv was it not maybe that's why no. i never read it
0: no no it was just it was kind of cultural and movies and music and and everything um and it was really funny but anyway that's i'm pretty sure it was in there and i read that um it was an interview with courtney love and she was basically saying that she was proud of herself for having achieved her like bucket list from her <clears throat> early 20s, which was to marry Kurt Cobain, to have Michael Stipe be her best friend and to, you know, have this amazing band that sold all his records, something like that. And I remember reading it and thinking, you're best friends with Michael Stipe. That's just really weird information.
1: I think Michael is Stipe is true? actually, um, yeah, I think I think he is Francis Bean's godfather.
0: Mm. I are they still mm. friends do you know you seem to know stuff about these two people
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't know i mean i guess a lot has happened in that time but i i don't yeah. know as far as i know i, still I don't know so um yeah well okay um continuing on that theme <laughs> well, I, i'm gonna <laughs> take oh, you to God. automatic for the people now um no i won't go <laughs> <laughs> so no but like it's I just can like really <laughs> um, I don't know. If maybe this episode should have come with a trigger warning. But um, I just realised that like, you know I'm tackling two like really, really heavy subjects here, like AIDS and and death. You know, ultimately, Automatic for the People is an album about a lot of death. But um, I don't. <laughs> it is
0: for a lot of things, and uh... it is.
1: It is. I don't want to get too maudlin, um, but yeah, I, must... I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, this is like your role usually. Listen,
0: this was this was was some serious stuff that people were genuinely terrified about in the nineties.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: Yeah, it was all starting to hit. um, I mean, my own private Idaho and um, Philadelphia and yeah, I think about
1: Philadelphia today. Yeah, yeah, and it was like it was like finally something that people were. It starting to talk about and, um, you know, talk about being, it was sort of, yeah, I don't want to say like.
0: Yeah. It was an everyone problem, not yeah, just
1: exactly. how it was it's
0: been presented back in the 80s.
1: Yeah, it was kind of being, I don't know, mainstreamed for want of a better word. And, it, yeah, the stigma was sort of maybe starting to dissipate a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the No Alternative album was was a little part of that you know there's a um was watching a video last night of billy corgan um talking to um mtv about you know how the song songliness came about and um yeah yeah it was it, it was a massive part of i don't know the narrative in in the 90s wasn't it yeah big time big time um okay so now onto the other theme of uh, uh uh yeah automatic for the people and um uh death <laughs> um so this was apparently <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, you like to press it enough
0: no this
1: I, I wanted to show, but right it. okay no <laughs> so, um, it's good it's yeah. good
0: we need to get it out when everyone's feeling you know pretty low and everything and then when everything starts to open up again we can all be happy again we'll, yeah. we'll bring the cheer
1: yeah. when
0: it's appropriate to bring it
1: <laughs> but I mean it's not it's so you know it is it is an album ostensibly about like death and like loss and like nostalgia. A um, lot like our podcast. <laughs> I think about <laughs> <Death laughs> it. incidental.
0: In but there
1: album. are also That's some. Way I like to see it. Yeah, okay, yeah. But there are also some really uplifting moments. I think in it, in the album. Hopefully, in our podcast too.
0: Yeah. I mean, literally, for example, um, my best and oldest friend sent me a a text message today that said, is this the longest we've gone without seeing each other in 35 years? And I was like, oh
1: "Oh my God, God, I'm so old. Yeah. (laughs) How? Oh, Oh, that is scary. That is very scary. I got probably nostalgic just writing notes for this today. And I had to text my, my best school friends to ask them like, which REM tours did we see? (laughs) Because I know there have been a few, but I just have, I I really, really clearly remember going to the Monster tour because it was 1995 and it was in Milton Keynes Bowl, which was quite a long way for us to go. Um, And they were supported by uh, Radiohead, who were on who were doing the Mayan Lung uh, tour and the Cranberries and Sleeper and it was just the best day ever it was amazing and I know I've seen them in, uh, on a couple of other occasions but I really needed to um, yeah to to ask my friends like where and I was quite relieved actually to find that they really struggled to remember too but I think we came to the conclusion that it was um, Earl's Court in 1998 um, and I think possibly 2008 as well for the Accelerate tour. But um, yeah, yeah you, know, you just reminded me. Awful.
0: I went to visit my godmother in France for half term when I was uh, 15. I suppose I was 15, and they they my dad had bought some CDs for her for me to take, and I remember two of them. It was uh, the Elastica album. And it was Aria Monster, and I remember at the time I was like, "Yeah, Alaska's okay." I was like, "Really, Monster?"
1: Oh no! Oh, we anticipated <laughs> the album so much. Just she loved amazing. it though.
0: She and she was um, she was a big punk. She's a proper like early Gen Xer. Cool, cool. So yeah, she was she was very happy with uh, Dad's selections there. So kudos to Dad as well for uh,
1: <laughs> bringing Dad's it. Yeah,
0: yeah. In his forties, he knew what was going on. He might not have been listening to it himself, although I think he quite likes Ariam, I'm not sure.
1: Once is a great you, album.
0: You, did your parents listen to contemporary yeah. stuff in the '90s?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad did big time. Not my mum. Bless her. I mean, she liked Drugstore. I got her into Drugstore, and I think I've told you she, she oh, to this me. day cannot say cannot say it. <laughs> she calls them super drugs. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she liked them. I think because also the lead singer was like south america like she, isabel is 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 brazilian and you know my mum's latin american so i think there was a bit of that i took it to see them at dingwalls uh, isabel's really short <laughs> as well just like my mum. um so yeah there <laughs> are some parallels and, uh, <laughs> um, my mum also liked the beautiful south um but other than that though no, she's got appalling taste bless her but my dad yeah like yeah he um
0: did he, he like her him?
1: yeah he did yeah yeah he didn't get me into REM but um yeah he did I oh, want mr c <laughs> <laughs> um yeah anyway where was i um right we're gonna get into automatic for the people which apparently is the album <laughs> right okay i'm gonna take you back down again for a minute apparently it's the album that kirk <laughs> bain was listening to um when yes. he killed himself
0: yeah i did read that yeah that is depressing so, mm, okay. okay
1: but anyway um it's their eighth studio album, came out in October 1992 on More Than Brothers. It was produced by Scott Litt. It was number two on the US album chart, and number one over here in the UK. Oh. And it, it topped our charts four times, apparently, like on four separate occasions, which is kind of mad.
0: Um, yeah. so they started mi- well, we'll talk about that when we get there. Shall I play the first?
1: Yes, Let's do you can play Drive, please. So, yeah, there were six singles, but um am just going to play five of them because we will run out of time. I didn't have out this album. Oh, <laughs> so out of time, boom. Oh, boom. So they started mixing this. Sorry, go on.
0: No, I was just going to say I had out of time, but um, Jane had this album. Around. I never had it.
1: Well, Obviously, started- it feels like they released every
0: – like they released a lot of this album, though, didn't they? Feel, I feel like they did.
1: Yeah, six. Did, they, did they? Six tracks on this album, yeah. Nice. No, I mean, it's not Alanis you know, Morissette, but it's up there. You know, it's yeah, it's you know, good. But, you know, they're all, yeah, there's a lot of quality stuff on this album. A's well, for Alanis.
0: Alanis Morissette.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not Who this is time, though.
0: <laughs> did she have another album after that?
1: Oh, but. Who cares? Sorry, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alanis. We don't have to come back to her anymore. But yeah, they started mixing this whilst... Uh, sorry, they started working on this whilst they were still mixing out of time. Really hard. Really? They are quite prolific as well. I mean, yeah, really, really yeah. hard-working band. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Buck, Mike Mills and Bill Berry... They, they would meet several times a week apparently to work on the new stuff but take a week-long break once a month and they'd swap instruments um Peter Buck would be on the mandolin Bill Berry would be on the bass they didn't use drums when they were uh, doing the writing uh, Mike Mills would be on like the piano or the organ instead of bass and stuff so yeah they really mixed things up um but Michael Stipe didn't get involved Um, until the end so they would then give him the finished demos later I think at the beginning of 1992 and then yeah he put all the lyrics and stuff on Um, so yeah interesting way to do things Um, so yeah Drive an amazing album opener I think what do you think of it I mean it's quite a dark album
0: (laughs) in (laughs) terms of kicking off here yeah you feel the weight of it already
1: <laughs> you're in it
0: you know
1: who produced it uh Scotland. anyone we know all oh, right yeah so yeah this song it got its title from um uh the motor Voter bill like which was basically like national voter registration drive um right. which obviously rem supported um and it was released a couple of months before the George Bush, uh, George Bush Senior and Bill Clinton election. So, you know, there are lyrics, smack, crack, bushwhacked, which um, right. <laughs> must be a reference. And uh, Michael had apparently taken out ads in, in college newspapers saying, don't get bushwhacked, get out and vote, vote to Um smack,
0: smack, That reminds me of Donnie sure Darko.
1: Yeah, time it does, doesn't <laughs> it?
0: <laughs> a place and a time. Yeah. Not anything to do with us back here in Blighty, but <laughs> No, no.
1: And then of course a few years later, the other Bush, Junior, became president. And then when he ran for re-election in two thousand and four, REM did uh benefit concerts for John Kerry. So yeah, very very political, REM. Yep. Um there's another lyric, so hey kids rock and roll. Um on this, it was apparently borrowed by Rock On, borrowed from Rock On by David Essex. Um, yeah. Apparently, Pike was a big fan.
0: <laughs> David Essex, shut yeah, up. I saw I know. David
1: Essex in concert.
0: Did you know that?
1: <laughs> I i did not, but actually, my mum was a fan of David Essex as well.
0: <laughs> I never said I was a fan. How dare
1: you? Back sure. up. So, why did you see David Essex in concert? <laughs> I need to know.
0: um I went to Butlin's with yeah, my best brilliant. friend's family and uh they had this like club What's the club i think we were 13 you had to be 14 to get in but they let us in
1: because we were went-
0: wearing our Mary Quant quantites
1: <laughs> amazing <laughs>
0: um but um her mum was like you're not going by yourself because you're only 13 so she came with us and it was hilarious so we were standing around being like moody and cool teenagers and um and uh sh- her mum was getting chatted up <laughs>
1: By David
0: Essex. No, (laughs)
1: Um,
0: just by these guys, and she was like, "Oh, boys, you're so bad." I'm very married, and they were like, "Oh, why don't you dance with us?" And we were standing, like, looking on and going, "What the hell is happening?" (laughs) And then, and then suddenly it was like, "And tonight we have David Essex," and we were like, "Uh, who?" and so yeah her mum explained who he was
1: (laughs) that is amazing stumbled
0: into a david essex concert
1: yeah that is brilliant my parents took it like our our only sort of camping not proper camping but like a static caravan thing my my parents were not campers at all um but one week my mum booked us into one of these caravan sites it wasn't a it wasn't as, as Hosh is a butlins, um, but it was in Fishguard in Wales, um, and I don't know I must have been like nine or ten or something but I had the best night ever there was this cabaret singer called Yvonne Halen um, and again I had her you know m- my parents bought her bought me her cassette that she sold after the show you know for like three quid or whatever and I'm, I'm still gutted to this day that that was one of the cassettes that my mum got rid of um, but she was amazing like she did all of these like covers of you know power ballads like Bonnie Tyler and like To Pow and stuff and I was just <laughs> in awe of her it, she was the made she had this like huge like sort of tina turner mullet and um you know i think she you know it was partially kind of like dyed red and stuff like she looked like proper like kind of yeah kind of like sort of glam rock punk yeah power ballad woman mm. <laughs> like, but oh she was a david bowie circus, <laughs> yeah Biden kind of <laughs> yeah yeah the female david bowie um anyway uh Okay, so that was, was just um, before we move on to the next one, uh, I've got a little fact here about Drive that I think you'll like. So the, the music video was, it's just like this sort of, I don't know if you remember it, it's like a black and white um, uh, uh, video um, of mainly just Michael Stipe crowd surfing, um, shot at the Sepulveda—I'm sure I've pronounced that incorrectly—dam um, in the Sherman Oaks area of LA. But anyway, Marcus types like yes, um, crowds now star. you now you say
0: it, I remember it. But yeah, I was really struggling to imagine.
1: Yeah, so not oh, a lot happens in the video, but apparently when it was shot, River Phoenix came along and hung out in the trailer with Michael Stipe because him and Michael Stipe were very good friends as well. Um, and so Michael Stipe said of that that they had a great time until Oliver Stone showed up, and they'd both been drinking and they got in a fist fight in Michael Stipe's trailer. Um, and he said he thinks River won to tell you the truth. Um, but yeah, I oh, thought that amazing. was that was quite funny. Uh, right. Okay, so if we were to do the whole album, which we're not, uh, Try Not to Breathe is next, and it's a beautiful song. Um, it's about his grandma dying and about euthanasia, True. and I will cry if we play it, so we're not going to play it. Instead, let's move, on. let's move on to The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, which. Okay. um was put on the album to break the somber mood. They thought <laughs> light rocks needed. Um, and I think they called it right, but apparently, in retrospect, they think it's too lightweight.
0: Uh, so, 90s to spell tonight, T O N I T E, as well.
1: Yeah, I thought that was just the way the Americans spelled it. Is that not right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> hold on. Hold oh
0: on. You think in America they don't spell tonight correctly? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I think I'd always assume that.
0: Oh my gosh. That's oh amazing.
1: <laughs> there go, all our American listeners. Oops, sorry. <laughs>
0: um not to my knowledge no, okay. right <laughs> oh, it's shit. like uh we
1: it's like,
0: <laughs> don't have enough you know <laughs> you know those signs outside the front of churches and motels and stuff
1: yeah
0: i'm imagining it came about because you ran out of letters and it's just easier to write like that or maybe it did yeah. just come about from somebody who didn't know how to spell But no, I don't think it's the American spelling for tonight. But I love it. I love that.
1: You know what? I think I've thought that the entire time based on this song. Shit, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, USA. Um, Anyway, (laughs) let's move on quickly, right? (laughs) so um yeah i don't know i think a lot of people think this song's really cheesy i i love it um i bought the single even though i already had the album bought the single when it came out um
0: supporting the band this- hannah supporting the multi-millionaires <laughs> as a poor student as a 13 year old fantastic well, i
1: remember like disgust because you know my friends like you know my, my 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 closest friends um uh we all just loved rem um And I remember talking with them about like you know a lot of the lyrics and stuff to R.E.M. songs. Like most of them are really quite hard to decipher. And there's this bit here. Yeah, what is it? Calling Jamaica or something. Apparently, it's. I think it's coming in, coming in, trying to wake her up. So it's a lot of syllables.
0: Wow, I never, I never heard that. I never got that from it. And do you know what? I've never wondered. It's one of those you know, if it comes on the radio, you just sing along to whatever it is you think it is, like you did in the 90s, because you didn't have anything like Lyric Find or Shazam or whatever
1: else those kids are using these days, you know. Absolutely. Well, like, we did have something kind of, yeah, our version of that, basically. So I remember, I was trying to find out today what the name of this record store was. But um, somehow I found out that there was this record shop that was like a sort of, it specialised in REM stuff. Like it was run by this REM fanatic and it was somewhere in London. I can't remember where, but I went up, I think with my friend Polly, maybe like her older brother took us up or something. Cause we must've, we must've, it must've been in like 93 or maybe a little bit later, but like not much. It but, sounds um, like
0: a West London type of thing to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so I remember the, 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 inside of this record shop really clearly. Um, but one is, you know, we, we, bought a bunch of stuff I can't remember what apart from the one thing um that was basically my bible for months after that it was this um h- handmade kind of like uh, sort of fanzine style you know it was just a printed document it was just white a4 printer sheets stapled together with a pale blue cover and I think it had um Possibly it was like the cover of the uh, Night Swimming single, I think, kind of just photocopied on top. But it was basically the lyrics of not just all the Automatic for the People songs, but like everything to date. Um, And it was amazing. Like it was quite a thick booklet because, yeah, I mean, they'd already produced a big body of work. Um, But it was amazing to find this lyric book because, as you said, we didn't have Genius.com or (coughs) anything. Could they be trusted, though? Uh, Mm -hmm. I I wish I still had it. I wish I still had it, but um, it was just such a revelation.
0: All right. In that case, then, riddle me this, Batman. What <laughs> in the blue blazes is he banging on about then?
1: Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad you ask. Um, mm, 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 mm. Apparently, Mike Mills said that half of the song is about someone trying to get in touch with someone who can sleep on his floor. And the other half, he apparently said, is you're on your own. So the bass man uh, wasn't quite sure. Fantastic. Um, but there is a bit. Oh, um, yeah. So when you go back and listen to this, which you, you must again, there is a bit where Michael Stipe does a little little giggle. And it's apparently because when he was trying to date name check. So I'm going to say this wrong now. And I'm also a huge fan. But Dr. Zeus, is it Dr. Zeus? How do you pronounce Dr. Zeus? The guy that wrote oh. the cat hat and all that.
0: It's, um, I think it's, it's, um, it's a contentious subject, but, um, in, um, Reality Bites, he says Dr. Zeus.
1: Zeus. Ah, okay. So I've always referred to him as Dr. Zeus. But Um, we
0: say Zeus in England.
1: Yes. But apparently when, um, when Michael Sight was singing that lyric, he kept saying, so my notes say that he kept saying Zeus, spelled Z-E-U-S. Which to yeah. me is how you pronounce Dr. Zeus, which is mm, obviously mm, is wrong. Yeah. So the laughing that you can hear is him actually laughing at his own um inability to be able to pronounce Dr. Zeus right. Or is it Dr. Zeus? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. But um well, yeah, apparently you know what?
0: it's Planet of the Apes, isn't it? So we should just be able to find that out fairly fairly easily. But um we're not gonna do that now.
1: Yeah, but I, really I
0: will awesome. say that I think it's Doctor Zayas because that's what Ben Stiller says when Winona Ryder breaks his little Doctor Zayas figurine in his office.
1: Um, in Rav, right. And wasn't that in
0: 1993 as well? Yes, boom! I think
1: actually, is it, is it 94? Good. Maybe it's four. I get it wrong? Mm.
0: <laughs> well, whatever. It was, you know, I think we've just established it was quite a long time ago.
1: Yeah, but so. I, I think you you must be right um but i like michael stipe
0: um yeah i think all british people would think it was this um also am i completely off base here is a sidewinder a snake
1: it is a snake and apparently it's also like a type of phone i don't know if it's like one of those old um like wall-mounted phones or something but oh you're right it
0: is to use them yeah
1: yeah and yeah, it's a type yeah. of uh, rattlesnake, I think. And then there's another bit um, uh, where, so Michael Sype has apparently said that this song has got one of his favourite lines in it. So again, it's sort of talking about cartoons. There's a line that goes, "Their world has flat backgrounds and little need to sleep, but to dream," which is very Doctor Um So yeah, he, he said it's you know it's about how cartoon characters never just get sleepy; they always have to dream. Have, they always have to have a dream of some floaty kind which I think is quite beautiful. So I don't know if that answered your question about what it's about, but (laughs) apparently. Well,
0: you know, if one of the band doesn't even know, (laughs) you can just draw your own conclusions.
1: Okay. so Okay, what's next? We're going to get a bit heavy again.
0: It's one of that, it's that big old crowd pleaser that probably everybody knows just because it's been used for so many adverts, hasn't it? Yeah. All right, let's do it. It is a great video for this. It's
1: amazing. Getting out of their cars. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's subtitled, isn't it, with what everyone's thinking. There, that in their cars, in the traffic.
0: Yeah. Apparently people have been saying as well, in particularly in LA, that during coronavirus, the freeways have been blissfully empty.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The fog is
0: lifted yeah. and people can see the ocean whereas before they they couldn't because of the air pollution and stuff.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. That's cool. The video was directed by Jake Scott, as in Son of Ridley.
0: Ridley has a lot to do with the 90s. We just haven't got to him yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, we will. We definitely
0: need to get to the Scott bros.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it won four MTV Music Video Awards. Um, and we've actually talked about this before, again in B for Bangers, because do you remember when it won um, the award for best direction? Adam Yauk of the BC Boys stormed the stage before Michael Stipe got got there, dressed as Nathaniel Hornblower from the Sabotage video, because they'd also been nominated for a bunch of stuff and didn't win. So um, <laughs> yeah, Adam got yeah got there and called it far and was kind of like ushered off the stage and michael michael stipe's just <laughs> looking a bit bewildered after it all it's like
0: some sort of school assembly isn't it the mtv music awards in the 90s people storming the stage and being yeah. dead.
1: <laughs> that was the really weird one though when um do you remember like michael stipe and lisa marie presley like had the had had the kiss and stuff it was like a i think do you mean michael jackson Sorry, did I say Michael Stipe? Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> but it was very topical. <laughs> that would
1: have been a bit weird too.
0: <laughs> oh, that was horrible. Yeah, didn't he say something really creepy? Like they said it wouldn't last, and then like literally days after they were getting divorced, and it yeah. was such a stunt—really horrible.
1: So uncomfortable. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, uh, everybody hurt. So this song, um, you know, whereas the lyrics in Side One, Six, Night are, are very um, hard to decipher. And a lot of R.E.M. songs are like that. You can hear the lyrics so, so clearly in this song. And it's totally deliberate um, because he he wanted people to, to hear what he was saying and the message not get lost. And obviously the message, it's an anti-suicide song. It was written predominantly by Bill Berry, the drummer, although he didn't actually play on it. So the drums that you hear on this are a drum machine that they apparently got for like $20. Um, but yeah, he, he wrote it. You know, he wanted people. He wanted to reach out to people who felt that they didn't have any hope. Um, and it was commended by the Nevada legisl- legislature apparently for encouraging the prevention of teenage suicides. Apparently, Nevada Nevada is um, uh, has particular. I don't know if it still does, but then had particular um, high. Um, so there you go, bit of good news. Um, in 1995, the Samaritans marked the first anniversary, going back to Kurt Cobain here, they marked the first anniversary of Kurt's death with adverts in music magazines, which included two verses of Everybody Hurts. Um, I can remember that. You can.
0: I remember something like. Sounds like something Enemy did.
1: Well, yeah, Maybe. I guess Enemy would have been. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember. I imagine it would have been Enemy and Melly Baker and I don't know, Select and stuff that. Yeah. Oh, select,
0: yeah, select.
1: Yeah, box magazine as well. Do
0: you mm. that one? Yeah, Love I it. remember buying face and just feeling so intellectual.
1: <laughs> face and ID—they were—they were—they were a bit too fashionable for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and really expensive as well. That yeah, was very, yeah. you felt very important when you bought it because <laughs> yeah, you I could never someone... really afford
1: it. Yeah, one of my mum's friends up the road, she had much older kids who were much trendier and so I would get their, like, discarded copies of oh, nice. of Faith and I You're recycling and... at such a young age, man, yeah. high five. Days and Confused as well, that was another one of those,
0: yeah. Did you know I worked at Days and Confused for a while?
1: Did you? Oh my god, no, I didn't know that.
0: Cool. I did, I got, um, I got shouted at by Jefferson Hack once.
1: Oh wow, <laughs> a good claim to fame. Yeah. Have you still got old back copies and stuff?
0: No, but I tell you what was really weird. was the first day I reported for duty. um, You go in and it's like an empty, it's like an empty shop space. It's like a gallery, but there's no pictures up. Maybe there were a few pictures, but like ranking pictures, but basically it's just a big white empty room with the desk at the very back and there's a girl sitting in it. And that's how you get into the offices. Well, that's how you used to. Anyway... I turned up and uh I went to the front desk and I and I spoke to the girl and and then I looked at her and I was like, Don't I know you? And she was like, Yeah, you look really familiar as well. And she went to my school and she was from Seaford.
1: Oh wow, what and were the chances?
0: Small. Really small <laughs> world. Yeah. And I was
1: oh, on swimming team
0: with her sister. Very mm. bizarre. But yeah, he um he shouted at me because I was uh I was, I was like a general office dog's body at the time. And I was uh, trimming up some, some pictures, you know, at the kind of guillotine thing. And he, and it was in the um, art department office and he just been in there screaming at the art department because they'd, um, they'd macked out a nipple <laughs> <laughs> and he was l- literally just screaming at them put the nipple back. How fucking dare you?
1: Oh my God. And then
0: he stormed out of the room. Well, he went to storm out of the room and then he kind of stopped, came back and then looked at me and was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oh, just
1: doing this. <laughs> just cowering here, terrified. All right. So what year would that have been in then? Uh,
0: 2001 maybe.
1: Ooh, that's what I asked. Cause I was a, um uh, a student brand manager for the, uh, the much grungier um enemy and melody maker and i think it was it was it was a few um what was it? it was uncut as well and I've a couple got of other vox. music titles maybe it was vox actually uncut was kind of like a bit older wasn't it but it was cool yeah. it always had the free cds i've still got like a bunch of those free cds but yeah so I, I did that for a couple of years um when i started uni, i think or maybe it was like the summer after school and um and then in my first year of uni so i'd get all these um I'd get five copies sent every week of all of the titles or monthly for the monthlies um and I had to make sure I had to uh, hassle the um the local news agents and like the news agent in the student union and stuff to you know make sure that the posters that they sent along were you know prominently displayed and just be a pain in the ass really <laughs> but it meant that I had you know I had I had copies of two years worth of all of these titles um that I kept up in the loft and again my uh, my mum got rid of them all eventually um because they're a bit oh. of a fire hazard sat there in the loft so when they moved home <laughs> like, they were all gone and I'm gutted now like you know some of those some of those oh, yeah. covers of, like the NME and stuff just they just great in my bathroom <laughs> in my downstairs loo or something when I have one.
0: you um, know and we I eventually ended up working uh, I think one floor above NME
1: oh wow we always
0: always knew them in the lift because they always had like a record bag and like a combat jacket (laughs)
1: yeah well when we started yeah (laughs) when we when we started there was a application process and everything and then when we all went to get our have our sort of like initiation or something you know we got to hang out in the offices and have a tour of the offices and stuff and um I was um I was a massive fan of like, Everett True, like one of the reporters. And, oh yeah, like in awe of him. Um, and, you know, he didn't talk to anyone, but like, you know, I remember walking in and seeing him there in his chair with his back to everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, celebrity journalist. Um, anyway, where were we? Um, Enough music mag musings. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we diverged. Um, I'll, I'll
0: tell you exactly where we are. Uh we are just about on ooh, Man on the Moon.
1: Man on the Moon. Are you ready? Uh yes, because I don't need are to talk about the, <laughs> about the charity cover of Everybody Hurts that included take that, Kylie and Mariah and Leona Lewis and
0: I just drown you out there. <laughs> I heard Kylie, it's over. <laughs> you had your shot. Valentine's Day if anyone's interested. If not, please continue. <laughs>
1: so yeah man on the moon um, inspired by andy kaufman have you seen the um, the man on the moon film i With mean jim I so back in oh, the was 19- it! it's very really good it's jim,
0: it's, it's jim jim carrey King?
1: yeah yeah it was uh, it's been a long time since i've seen it but yeah, 1999 it came out rem yeah. um, did the soundtrack for it as well
0: I only kind of knew anything about him and I think most British people would only or maybe maybe not but uh, my parents used to watch Taxi because we lived in the States when I was a kid and they thought it was hilarious and they thought he was hilarious but he wasn't really on British people's radars was he?
1: No definitely not I only know what I know about him through watching through watching the film Um, but yeah uh, Michael Sight was a big fan of him from watching him on Saturday Night Live apparently so um and he was, he was well-known for his Elvis impersonations. So there's a bit, I think it's coming out. Yeah, he was in Taxi
0: with uh, Judd Hirsch and uh, Jeff Conway from Greece.
1: Ah, oh, okay. Were you, a, were you a Knicky fan? Or oh, a my Danny God, Zucker yes. Fan? Absolutely was a Knicky fan. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> We've just missed it, but there's a bit where he says, hey, baby, we're losing touch, which is... Um, a reference to the Elvis impersonations of Andy Kaufman. Right. Um, yeah, you know, we,
0: like we could have even done a hyper connection with Kaniki, the band Lauren
1: Daigle. Oh yeah, loved. Oh my god, we have to include them some somehow <laughs> in the series. <laughs> I saw massive her when man. I was doing a shoot at the Marquee, and she's really
0: massive. What like, tall? tall. Really, really tall. Yeah, never have
1: suspected. Oh, she's brilliant. I love her. It's my nicky talk. <laughs> cool. Um. Yeah. I, so yeah, I don't really know what this song is about. Other than well, other than it's inspired Him. by Andy Kaufman, but it's got um. It, it sort of talks about a lot of random stuff. Or you know, it it, it mentions what the hoop pool, Monop- like a bunch of board games, Monopoly, Risk, Twister, chess. Um. Mentions Elvis Presley, Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, Moses.
0: he was, oh, a, yeah,
1: weird, he was a weird guy, wasn't he? Who Darwin? Calvin. Oh right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, apparently there were there was some conspiracy theory that he faked his own death. So Man on the Moon is also like a kind of oblique reference to um, you know the conspiracy theories around the moon Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Along with to Elvis, I suppose.
1: Yeah, true. But yeah, moon landing is kind of pertinent today. Today, as we record this, um, the Mars Ooh. thing, what was it? Perseverance um, successfully landed about half an hour ago, didn't it? That's
0: right. And we've also referenced Bowie in Spiders from Mars. So my yeah. God, we're so on it today. <laughs> Current affairs.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, okay. I'm very aware that I've been banging on for quite a while, but a we couple more know. little it's links there. So the bit, so he talks, he says, yeah, 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 a lot in this song. And apparently that's um, a, a nod to Kurt Cobain. He said, he told Top of Pops 2, apparently, Michael Syke did, that the yeah, 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 at the end of most lines was an attempt to put more "years" in a song than Kurt did because Kurt Cobain was the master at making them fit and he wanted to outdo him.
0: He does say yeah a lot. Um, I also read in that article that was on about earlier about uh, Courtney Love, that he lived next door to him in Seattle. Is that true?
1: I think it's Peter Buck that lived next to him. I could be wrong. I thought it was Peter Buck. Um, But yeah, I don't know. i have to look into that. Um, Another little connection. You may have seen this, uh, but when they were inducted into the Rock Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007, R.E.M. performed this with Eddie Vedder.
0: I did not see that, and I did not know it.
1: Oh, look it up! It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's lovely.
0: Eddie Vedder sang on this.
1: Yeah, the kind oh, of duet. Wow. I will look it. it up. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. I feel
0: like Brandon would be ashamed of us. Well, me for not knowing that.
1: Wow, there you go. <clears throat> um, so yeah, all that's i really Pearl got. Jam fan. <laughs> I'm it sorry. was just Eddie. It wasn't all about Jam. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's true. That's true. I've, I'm I'm known to not actually own any Eddie Vedder albums.
1: Yeah, Stone wasn't there.
0: If Stone wasn't there, I'm not interested. I'm not listening. I don't you care. Go. So check it
1: out then. <laughs> You'll be missing out, in my in my view. It's good. Yeah, anyway. I'm going to check it out.
0: But, yeah, I am a big Stone fan, to be fair.
1: So. Really? So, yeah, apparently Michael Sipes <laughs> said that would be the song that he would most miss performing after they uh, called it a day in 2011. Really? Okay, Ooh, so final song.
0: Cover up, by the way.
1: Cover up of what? Automatic for the people? yeah the star thing um uh, yeah I think it automatically the people was like the motto of uh the cafe that they used to hang out at or something but I think there was there's also like the uh, the star was on top of a motel like the Sinbad motel or something I can't remember I don't have any notes on it but
0: from yeah it was one of those things it always looked like a Christmas tree decoration to me yes and it was not until extremely recently that i learned that it's, <laughs> it's yeah it's on top of a miami hotel i was like oh okay cool all right so sorry you were going to the uh next track
1: yeah the f- final so it's not the final single the final single is find the river which is um beautiful but i might cry um if we play that so let's let's
0: oh, just I find that such a downer to be fair so i'm glad you're not playing it really.
1: No, so Night Swimming. Um, let's have a bit. Apparently, it's the only R.E.M. song where the lyrics were actually written before the music. You know what? This whole
0: album is so orchestral.
1: Yes. Oh, did I mention already? So the strings on a bunch of the songs, um, on this included, uh, were by John Paul Jones. Of oh. Quiet did night. you see Pink Floyd?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Boom, um, from season one, boom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not not the random bloke who walks his dog on it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's a bit of a competition between Mike Mills and Peter Buck. Who would write the music that the lyrics would would be put to. I don't know who won in the end, actually. It's
0: a gorgeous song, but... um, I was talking about this album with my husband prior to the pod, and uh, and he was saying about how much he loves this album, and I was like, but I just feel like some of it is sort of, what are the lyrics even about? You know, for example, night swimming.
1: Oh, well, it night swimming is quite yeah. Night swimming is is quite straightforward, and it's not about death. Um, so that night, nice. <laughs> it's uh, it's about a memory, apparently of. Um, I don't know if it's quite childhood, probably a bit older than childhood, but I, I think of when the band would go skinny dipping um, back in Athens. I figured. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, but I think that's all it is to it. It's like it's a nostalgic song. It's about how so. But Peter Buck said that they used to sneak in on this guy's um, house in Athens and go swimming in the water hole that he had there in his garden. And it would be great. There'd be like 30 of them all running around naked. And he said – and I quote, it was before AIDS and whatever happened, happened. So there you go, we've come full circle, (laughs) back to AIDS again, (laughs) but with this beautiful song, Night Swimming. Um, Yeah, it's it's nostalgia. It's... um, which
0: is what this podcast me. is built upon. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, <laughs> you put the words right out of my mouth. Do you know there was another bit that I've written down in my notes somewhere? And I can't remember which song it relates to, but it was um, it's Peter Buck talking about. Maybe you're talking about the whole album, actually, about how. Um, oh, I think I can Ah, yes, here we go. So Peter Butts said that it was inspired by that sense of turning 30. <laughs> so when I read <laughs> that, I was so depressed. <laughs> yeah, a <Rear in laughs> <like>, mirror, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he was like, th- he said the world that we'd been involved in had oh, disappeared. Yeah. The world of Husker Do and the replacements, all that had gone. We were just in a different place, and that worked its way out musically and lyrically. I just thought oh god you know that's so relatable not not in terms of you know the world of husker doing the replacements but don't, don't you feel like that you know but it's the sense of turning 40 or or turning yeah. 50 for us next you know uh, calm
0: like, down love all right <laughs> I'm not
1: even close but don't they felt old when they were turning 30. <laughs> know they know you were said like, this is going to be a love. depressing
0: podcast but can yeah. we not please <laughs> address my 50th birthday which is practically a decade away
1: <laughs> you're still closer to 40 than 50 but, but have I made my point though do you get what I mean like that yes. is what this podcast is about it's like you know this stuff people don't make this kind of music anymore you know
0: <laughs> no um, I, as my gift to you and your REM podcast I, um, I did what I could do because I don't know anything about REM really um, beyond Courtney Love's comments in a magazine in the 90s so I did what I do know how to do, which is a bit of genealogy. Ooh. So I, I went into Michael Stipe's life,
1: oh. just a little bit,
0: just a little tiny bit. Um, his dad was in the army. Uh-huh. They moved around a lot. Um, and his grandfather was a, a reverend, a chaplain. Oh. And, his, and they're all very, very much uh, Georgia folks. Um going back to his I think great grandfather John, um, who was born in North Carolina, and his father came from Germany. Um, but uh, John um was a Confederate soldier in the Civil War. So they've been all, they've been there a long time.
1: Okay. So if you go back and listen to the Unseen Power of the picket fence which we played earlier
0: mm-hmm.
1: um towards the end <clears throat> so it's all you know it, it, it's all about you know the REM's early albums and stuff and then there's a bit where it goes so let's go back to ancient times when there were no 50 states and on a hill there's down Sherman Sherman and his mates and they're marching through Georgia and this is a brilliant bit I love it it goes we're marching through Georgia 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 and there stands REM and um uh mm-hmm. I think I, I imagine that is a reference to.
0: I'm sure he would know that, yeah. All, I mean, all, all, all of that. many generations of um, guys that got involved.
1: Yeah. But Sherman was on the other side, wasn't he? I think he was a union. <coughs> um, out of my, my knowledge of American history, is absolutely appalling. But I think Sherman was on the union side. I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not the chance
1: Ask your <laughs> but i think yeah i, I don't think he, would know. He, would know.
0: he enjoys watching gettysburg and stuff like that okay. um you know not not so much i know we got i know we got defeated in the um you know the big one but uh, the civil was a little bit different we are not taught that like i remember his shock um at learning that british people don't know about the american civil war really but yeah, not really.
1: Yeah, no. But then, you know, was he taught about, I don't know, Gladstone and Disraeli and I don't know.
0: Well, neither was I, to be fair. But <laughs> I tell you what I did think was interesting. We were in, funnily enough, in in Georgia, in Atlanta during the Olympic Games, because my uncle uh, lived, lived there at the time. And um, we were trying to watch the Olympics, but we we were not really able to find out anything interesting because the news coverage in America was just, it only covered uh, American sports people.
1: Oh. Is this when you saw Santana?
0: uh, Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, But when we were back, you know, at the, the old family ranch and we were watching it on telly, they weren't reporting on, you know, if there was a race and there weren't any Americans in it, they just didn't cover it at all. And, uh, yeah, or if America had, like dipped out in the heat, or, you know, the first, you know, whatever hurdle they went down and they just stopped covering it. So that was that. And we never really got to find out about how the UK was doing, which of course was never going to be amazing anyway, because we're used to it, aren't we?
1: Yeah.
0: We live for the winter Olympics where we might actually get a bronze or something. But, uh, summer Olympics, we don't usually stand out too much
1: now, do we? <laughs> really, oh hang on a minute are we still recording yeah okay I think my computer because right. my thing says that we've been going for two minutes and 51 seconds so I've just had a bit of a freak out oh tell me yours says oh. different
0: it does it says one hour two minutes
1: phew
0: okay good <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> my heart just sank okay <laughs> right right so um, you've
0: got one more track left
1: yes uh, no, well, I was going to um, play a bit of Sappy, just um, as I uh, do my credit. Pushes out, pushes out of our first day. Yeah, here. yeah. so a bit of Nirvana Sappy, going back to the No Alternative album.
0: And before we do, if you want to check us out anywhere, we are Me, a Gen X podcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email. We are on Instagram, same name. We apparently are on Twitter. We haven't done anything about it. Hannah, let's definitely get on that, shall we?
1: Uh, yeah, I think there's a there's a little bit of stuff on there. I <laughs> doing it. Yourself. Clearly, it's on me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I need to um, sort that out. And here's Sappy.
1: Okay, so thanks to songfats.com, uh, bbc.co.uk, songkick.com, setlist, setlistfm, Rolling Stone, retroweb.com. Um, REM's Behind the Mask by Jim Greer and It Crawled from the South an REM Companion by Marcus Gray. All right. Thanks, Lily. Thank you for dropping the knowledge, Hannah. I hope you're going to go away and discover your love for REM after all of this.
0: <laughs> I'm sure I will. <laughs> In the meantime, goodbye and good night.
1: Night-night.